Word. Well, we're going to be continuing a series today. We're going to be continuing a series called uh, Discovering God. And we've been going through everyday encounters that Jesus had with everyday people, real people, just like you and I are. And we're looking about how he interacted with them, how he exchanged words, and, and, and how they formed relationships, and, and, and the messages that he was trying to give these people. So uh, last week, we, we started with the hymn woman, and then we did the leper. And then last week, we took a look at the 12 disciples. How many know they had lots of encounters? They saw Jesus do all kinds of stuff. So um, I wanted to take a couple of uh, scriptures and look at the disciples. Well, today we're going to look at Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. If you're watching online, you can go uh, to our church, uh, uh, actually online or in here. You can go to Church on the Rock Huntley on your phone app, and you can have the notes there if you'd like to do that. But I've entitled this message today, The Fishing Disciples. It's an interesting passage of scripture to me. Because Jesus is calling his, his disciples to take what they've been doing in the natural. And he said, now I want you to do it in the supernatural. One day, Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Great crowds pressed in on him. And they listened to every word with such intense. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. Try to picture that as I'm reading. For the fishermen had left them. And now they were washing and cleaning up their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, he was a commercial fisherman, to push out into the water just a little bit. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. I want you to picture he just kind of took the boat out a little bit, sitting in the boat, talking to the crowds. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets because you're going to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all last night. We didn't catch a thing. But look at this. I want you to underline this and, and amplify this in, in your mind. But if you say so, somebody say, if you say so. If you say so, I'll let the, let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened... He fell to his knees before Jesus. Think about that. Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others that were with him. His partners, James and John, were the sons of Devony, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon. He said, don't be afraid. Look at this. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. You'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, look at this. It says, they left everything and followed Jesus. You know, this is a story just a few months after Jesus began his public ministry. Jesus met these four disciples that, you're, that, that I read to you. He met them when Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist. So Jesus was getting baptized. We all know that story. And, and that's where these four disciples met him at that baptism. They kind of got to know each other a little bit at that. And these disciples that were following John the Baptist, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And they were like, man, I want to know more about this guy. Have you ever been in that seeking moment in your life? I know Jesus is the Messiah. I know he's the answer to the world. I want to know a little bit more about that. So that's kind of where they were at. So this is a few months later. Now he's calling them into discipleship. I want everybody to say discipleship. He's calling them into discipleship. There's a big difference between being a believer 
How many believers do we have? You believe in the Lord Jesus. There's a big difference in being a believer of Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus. A believer is just kind of entered into the kingdom of heaven, but a disciple is rolling up his sleeves and he's helping Jesus build the kingdom. Anybody out there? It's like they're moving past it. And every disciple, everybody that is a disciple receives the same call, the call to be a fisher of men. So um, are you, you know, just kind of had the question, are you that are here today, are you just a believer? Just kind of doing church thing? Or have you moved into discipleship today? Or maybe you will move into discipleship today. Are you just kind of on the fringe or on the edge and kind of enjoying a little bit of this church stuff, this Jesus thing? I believe in it. But how many of you are ready to take the plunge? How many of you are ready to get serious about God? I'm telling you, today's message is a call to discipleship. It's getting people off the sidelines. It's getting people off the, 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 the in-between, trying to make up your mind. I believe there's a call going out that God wants to call some people past just being a believer and being called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's a big difference. There's a huge difference. And so uh, that's kind of what I want to challenge you with. And so with the call to discipleship, there's four things we're going to learn about today. There's four tests of discipleship. Number one test of discipleship is this. You might want to write this down. It's the will you do something test. Will you just, will you do something? Anything. Will you just do something? He's teaching the crowd and they're growing. They're pressing in on him. No microphones, no sound systems. They kept pushing closer and closer. Jesus kept backing up till he's on the fringe of the water. He saw two boats and he's like, let me get out in these boats. They're pressing in. And as soon as he noticed these two boats, he stepped into them and he asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. First call to discipleship to Simon Peter. I mean, later the ultimate disciple, a huge commercial fisherman. Think about it. First of all, we know he worked all night. Anybody ever worked graveyard, graveyard shift? What do you want to do when you worked all night? You want to get something to eat, take a hot bubble bath, uh, uh, wind down a little bit, and then go to sleep. Anybody out there say amen. So Simon, he wanted to go home, get something to eat, bubble bath, bed. And Jesus said, will you do this for me? So the first call to discipleship is, think about it, successful businessman, worked all night long. Hey, will you do something for me? The first thing he asked was to row the boat out, and by the way, keep it in place. Anybody ever been fishing and you get in a hot mess of fish and you're wanting to keep casting in the same spot? It's so hard because the boat wants to drift, doesn't it? So he not only said, I want to use your boat, I want you to row out, but I want you just to keep it in place while I'm talking to these people. So, so, so that was the first thing Jesus asked him to do. Seems like a small task. Seems like a minimal task. Seems like a task that anybody could do. This same guy later became the chief pillar of the church, spoke on the day of Pentecost. Get this, you guys. The hymn woman reached out and touched Jesus. Remember that story a few weeks ago? The hymn woman reached out and touched Jesus and was healed. Peter, this Simon here, had such an anointing on his life. Later, the Bible says that his shadow, if you can see my shadow, people would just come and get in his shadow and be healed. He was a powerful man of God. 
He was one of the three uh, head leaders at the church of Jerusalem. But the first thing on the call to discipleship was you have to swallow your ego a little bit. And you have to swallow who you think you are and what you think you should or shouldn't do. And you have to pass the test of will you do something? Will you do something? Even if it's minimal. Everybody wants these big things, but big things start small. You got to start small. He, I often thought um, this was such a heart test is what it was. What if Peter would have responded differently? What if he responded and said, excuse me, do what? Do what? Row your boat out, pal? Come on, I've been fishing all night. Can't, can't uh, scrub a hand do this? All right, well, cut your sermon a little sh- short. Send the crowd home early. I'm tired. I've been working all night. This first test of a discipleship. This is not the will you do what you want to do test. It's not will you do what you want to do. You all with me today? God calls me at the most inconvenient times to me. It's not will you do what you want to do. This is will you do what he wants you to do. You know, that's the big test. That's the big test. You know, I'm a country boy, and a shovel has two ends. There's a digging in, and there's a leaning in. There's a digging in, there's a leaning in. Anybody, I, I got to get something off my chest. If you work for the road department, I'm going to ask you, you're going to have to forgive me before we even get started. Where's Karen Brewington at? You're going to have to forgive me before I even get started. But have you ever been in a rush, then all of a sudden the traffic comes to almost a complete stop? And you're like, man, I need to be somewhere 10 minutes ago. And you're driving, and it's just barely going, and, and, and it's miles and miles, and you're just barely creeping. And then all of a sudden, you've driven 5, 10 miles, just barely creeping. And then you see like 6 to 12 feet of road work, and you see 32 people leaning on a shovel and 4 people working the shovel. That's what I'm talking about. That's the will you do something test. You know, why you think, why does it take so long to fix the road? Well, sometimes I say, why does it take so long for the church to be fixed, for the church to do something? And the first call is we need to get, we got enough believers, we got enough leaners, we need some diggers, we need some let's get her done kind of people, and people that'll say, I don't care what it is, Lord, I'm ready, I'll do something for you. That's the first test of discipleship. The second test of discipleship is the will you do what he tells you to do test. I wanted to soften that up and say, will you do what he asks you to do? Because we want to be so nice. I want to ask you to do. No, will you do what he tells you to do? Will you do what he tells you to do? He's God. We're people. Will you do what he tells you to do? When Jesus finished this is a test of discipleship. When Jesus finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where the water is deeper. Notice Simon did his thing. He held the boat. Jesus did his thing. Crowds left. That's where we're at. Now, go out, let your nets down. You're going to catch some fish. Master, we've worked all night long, didn't catch anything. But if you say so, I'll let these nets down again. So I like how the NIV says it. NIV says, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, we will go let down our nets. This is a great example of obedience and faith. We've worked worked all night, but because you say so, I will. 
I'm a commercial fisherman. I've done this. I've tried my best baits. I've went to the best fishing holes. But if you say to do it, I'll do it. It's a test of discipleship, guys. It's a test of discipleship. When you think you've done all, when you think you know all, when you think you've tried all, and God will come and he'll give you this. Think about this, Brian. How close are you to a miracle? How close are you to a miracle? You could be in the same boat, same job, same marriage, same kids, and one small act of obedience, one small adjustment that you could tell the Lord you've done a hundred times, and you know this, and you tried that, but what if there was one small adjustment and the Holy Spirit came? Wouldn't it be great? First of all, wouldn't it be great if we had a friend that could come up and tell us advice every day? How many say it'd be nice to have a friend that could come up and tell me advice like that every day? And the only reason it'd get annoying is if we have pride and we really don't want to listen to what people say anyway. But the Holy Spirit to the believer is the same as what we call conscious. Like a conscious, just a voice, a leading, a direction. When you become a believer, you have that direction. You have that. Well, I believe that God's not sitting there asking you to be perfect. He's asking you to believe what he says and then put your faith in action. Guys, that really hit me. How close are you to a miracle? Same boat, same marriage, same job, same place. But what if you get Jesus telling you to do it one more time? Will you have that obedient faith that not only says, I hear you, I'm going to, that you actually take action. You know, belief alone has never made one miracle in the Bible. Belief alone. There's always an action. They broke through the crowds and touched him. They opened up the roof. There's always an action when you get a miracle. You know, some of you can't avoid it. You're receiving something right now from the Lord. He's speaking to you through this message right now. And what I say is, can you say, well, Lord... Because you said it, I'll do it. Anybody out there, you know today could be your breakthrough day? I've tried it, Lord, we fished up. Today could be your breakout day. He knows all that. A disciple's obedient and ready to take action. You know, when you put, here's the second thing I got out of that portion. We're going to shift gears on that point a little bit. Is Peter went and took his time and help Jesus hold the boat from drifting and let him use his boat. He was there. Notice after the crowds were gone and after all that was done, then Jesus said this. He said, now, Simon, go out and launch in the deep. You're going to catch some fish. Listen to me. I'm going to make this point short, sweet, and simple. If you take care of God's business, he'll take care of your business. If you take care of God's business, he will take care of your business. Some of you, I'm too busy. I got too much going on. No, that you, you can't be too busy and can't, you can't have too much going on because you're not going to have the blessing of God upon what you're doing. You're going to be doing it in yourself until you do what he tells you to do first. And when you do what he tells you to do, do first, then he'll take care of what you're doing. That is, if you really want to hear that, I can't preach this point because I only have so much time. If you really want to know that point, go to Haggai chapter 1 and 2. 
they're like, Lord, we've sowed much. We've received little. We've, we put stuff, we put our money in a bag, and it's like it, it runs out. It, there's a whole bunch of where they tried and tried and tried, and nothing seemed to go right. And the Lord said this, here's why nothing's going right. You need to consider your ways. He said it like three or four times. Here's why nothing's going right. You need to consider your ways. You put this in front of me. You put this in front of me. You put this in front of me. You put that in front of me. You put this and that and that and this in front of me. And then you wonder, you scratch your head and wonder why things aren't going peachy cream like you want it to. God said, Haggai, consider your ways. And then he says, you've so much, got back little, all that. What you did accumulate, it seemed like a wind came in and bloated away and all that. And then he said this, it's, it's because this, Jesus said, it's because you set in your sealed, clean houses, and my house is in waste. So a call to discipleship, that's a, kind of a tough one to swallow, so we'll move on. But it's still called discipleship. I'm challenging you today to quit being a believer and start being a disciple. And when you do what God tells you to do, he'll take care of you. He'll take care of your doings. Take care of his doings. Anybody out there say, I want to be that? Anybody want to be a disciple? Do I have any disciples here today? Any disciples here? The third test of discipleship is this. The will you give him the glory test. Will you give him the glory test? Let me start by saying you can't pass this test until you get involved, until you surrender your life and you're open to do what God wants you to. In the church or outside the church, you just say, I'm in. Anybody out here say, I'm in, God. We're in, ain't we, brother? We're in. I'm, I'm in. Um, he didn't take credit, but once you say you're in, once you get involved, once you get involved, then when Simon Peter realized what happened, Here's my scripture on that. He fell down to his knees and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. What happened is Peter just had a revelation of the greatness of God and how little of a man he was, or person. Anybody ever had that happen to you? Where you just got a glimpse of the power of God and it made you feel eh, about that big, about that big. Or when you, God used you to do something amazing and you're like, man, I got to admit, this was an out-of-body experience. It was not my education, it was not my expertise, and it wasn't my experiences, but that was just pretty doggone good what I just said or what I just did. You're thinking that, but then you're like, whew, I know where that came from. <sighs> wasn't me. Wasn't me. How about when you accumulate? Carmen and I got a new truck this week. How about when you get something new? I'm like, wasn't me that got that truck. God's goodness is, God's so good to us. God's good to me. He, he supplied it. He made it. You can be, well, I work with my hands and I labor from morning to night. I wouldn't go there if I was you. I wouldn't go there. Anything you have, you're talking to a preacher here that's read this Bible lots of times. Read 1 Timothy, last chapter on that, to guys who think they've accumulated something in their own power. You ain't done nothing in your own power. It's by the grace of the Lord. And disciples, you know what I, know, what I wonder is how many, get, how many can only experience like one or two amazing things in their life because their ego's so stinking big. How many would God like to use you to do 
this and this and this and this. But if he uses you to do this and this and this and this, you get this and this and this and this. Hey, look at me. I should be a pastor of thousands. I should. Can you pass the will you give him the glory test? Can you pass that? Man, Peter's like, imagine this. You talk about a Facebook, Twitter moment, Instagram moment. Boat sinking. Click, 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 click. Pulling fish in. Big fish. We've never caught fish like this. Barely able to get. You talk about expanding and increasing your business. They were commercial fishermen. They were businessmen. You thought about a whale of a day. No pun intended. A whale of a day. Think about it. Pulled in. Man, let's line those fish up. Let's line those fish up. Everybody come in. Wow, what a great catch. You guys are amazing fishermen. What bait was you using? Man, we can never do it like you guys. I wish we was part of your team. Man, line those fish up. Man, put, take a picture of me with my number one bait. Peter's like, we didn't do nothing. We did nothing. That man did that. We did everything we knew. Can you pass? Can you pass the will you give God the glory test? Can you? I love this scripture. In Psalms chapter 115, verse 1, it says, Not to us, O Lord. Would you just say that? Say, not to us. Say that with me. Not to us. Say it again. Not to us. In fact, here's how the scripture goes. Not to us, O Lord. Not to us. But to your name goes all the glories for your unfailing love and your faithfulness. Again, let's say it. Not to us. Not to us. But to your name be glorified. So that's the third test. The first one is, can you pass the will you do something test? The second test, if you want to be a disciple, is can you pass the, can you do what you're told or what God tells you test? And when you do, he'll take care of you. And the third is, will you give him the credit? Will you give him the glory test? The final test of discipleship is this. Will you do the main thing test? Is. So your minds right now, all these main things are coming in your head. These guys had just had the best day of business they'd ever had. Never had a day of business like this. Never had increases in numbers like this. Jesus did something that only he is genius enough to do. He calls them over and says, hey, 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 come here. Listen, guys, was this fun today or what? Was this not fun? Wasn't this a blast? Man, I'm so proud. We worked as a team. We accomplished something. We did something good. Wasn't this a blast? They answered, yeah, this was a blast. Okay, listen, I want to tell you something that's even more fun than this. You caught some bunch of scaly, stinky, and slimy underwater creatures, and now you're going to go sell them at market in exchange for some dollars that can burn. Nothing wrong with dollars. But after you do that, then you're going to go spend that, and then you're going to wake up and need to recreate something like that tomorrow, or you can't have the joy you do right now. So we got to keep recreating that. The joy isn't going to last. You're going to have to do something again and again to feel like you are today. 
Then he said this, guys, what you've been doing in the natural, I want to change it up a little bit. We're going to start doing it in the supernatural. Instead of catching scaly, slimy, stinky, underwater creatures, we're going to start going after people and eternity and people's destiny and bringing real soul change to people's life. Instead of only going for dollars, we're going to start going for some souls for the kingdom of God. Jesus even said, what does it do if you have barns to store all your money and lose your soul? It's all going to burn anyway. Hey, instead of dollars, we're going to go for souls. We're going to go after things that will last forever. Because one day, every one of us are going to stand before God and give an account for what we did or didn't do. Now, let me explain that a little bit. I got three more minutes. If you're a believer, the great, great white throne judgment, you don't go to it. That's for the people that don't believe in God and that aren't going to heaven. But every person is judged on works, whether you're a believer or unbeliever. Everybody has works that are looked at. To the unbeliever, your works are judged. And there's actually different levels of hell, different levels of torment. Doesn't matter if you like it or not. It's just a word. Okay? Deal with it. Okay? Um, the second thing is there's the judgment seat of Christ. That's what believers go to. And some of you are going to be like, thank God I made it. In by the hair of my chinny chin chin. <laughs> I barely in. I've slid in. I'm, I'm here. The Bible talks about that in 1 um, Corinthians like 3. I made it. I'm here. And then, the, and then the fire of God's going to come down on your works. And some of you is going to be digging around trying to find something you did for the Lord. And you aren't going to be able to find anything. But you made it. You made it. I don't want to get there like that. I want to be able to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to be able to say, man, the mission that I gave you, you gave your, you could answer those calls of discipleship. You were there you were there on, will you do something? You were there, will you do what I tell you to? You were there giving me the glory. You were there doing the main thing, winning people. Hey, can I show you the people that are in heaven right now because of you talking to them? Can I tell you the people that aren't burning in hell right now because you were willing to do the main thing? The main thing. The main thing is fishing for people and every person in this church. You have a great commission call to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are called to not just sit and soak and suck up all the things of God, but we are called to go out into the highways and the byways and we're to compel people to come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ because people are going to hell and we need to build God's kingdom. That's the main thing. That's the main thing. You look at people get all prideful of what they accumulated. It doesn't mean anything. What are you accumulating for God. That's when you get asked to do things when you don't want to or you're tired. That's when you get asked to be present in somebody's hardship 
And honestly, you'd like to be watching the ball game and having a beer. But you need to sit with somebody and comfort them. I'm telling you, I want, to, I want some disciples. Churches are full of believers. I want some disciples at COTR. I want some disciples. And here's the thing. Is when you buy in to full-fledged living for God, that's really where the satisfaction is anyway, as the musicians are coming. That's really where the satisfaction is anyway. Jesus did that in John chapter 4. How many know the woman at the well? The story in short form was this lady was, everybody pushed her away and didn't want to hang out with her. She was probably somebody that a lot of the guys of the city probably had their way with them, probably dozens uh, had, had their way with her, kind of had that rep. Um, she was drawing water at the well for people maybe to get some change here and there, create, carve in some type of living or something. Wasn't a good life. Most people didn't want to hang around her because she's probably pretty cute, and if the guys hang around her, the wife would be like, seeing you hanging around her, you would stay away from her. I mean, she was probably like that, keeping it real. Um, but uh, Jesus walked up, and everybody's like, why is Jesus talking to her? He said, woman, draw me some water. She drew him some water, and then he gave her a glass, and he said, you drink of this water, you're going to thirst again. You drink of me, the fountain of living water, you will never thirst again. I say that to everybody in this room who has not asked Jesus to be your Savior. You drink of the waters of this world, you're going to thirst again and again and again. Again and again and again. There's not enough stuff to do, things to buy, or places to go to make you happy. But when you drink of Jesus and give your heart to Jesus, am I saying the truth, Tim? When you drink of Jesus and you give your all to Jesus, your best days are just starting to happen. Come on. Any, any witnesses out there to that? All right. Now, this woman, she ran to the city and she said, whoa, you guys got to come out and see a man that told me everything about myself. He is the Messiah, and I believe on him. This is the one. Where you got to come see this guy. She was doing the main thing. You got to come see this guy. Well, in the meantime, Jesus' disciples came back, and they said, Jesus, you need something to drink. Jesus said, I'm not thirsty. And then they said, Jesus, we brought you something to eat. You haven't eaten for days. Jesus said, I'm not really hungry. And then the disciples, the scripture says, they reasoned among themselves and said, somebody must have brought him some food and water. Nobody brought him any food and water, but they thought somebody must have brought him. He should be hungry. He should be thirsty. He should be unsatisfied. He should not be feeling good. But all of a sudden, Jesus' face started glowing. And he got this big smile on his face. And he said, excuse me, boys. Excuse me, boys, right there's my meat. Right there's my drink. Right there's my satisfaction. What do you mean? He saw the woman coming with all the city wanting to come and follow Jesus. And he said, that's satisfaction. That's the main thing. 
Hey, some of you have been looking for the main thing. The main thing is telling others about Christ. Some of you, I said this three weeks ago, Chad, some of you guys, there's a lot of people that are coming to Christ. You guys know, um, like three weeks ago, over like 12 people raised their hand they wanted to receive Christ. That happens a lot, but here's what doesn't happen very often. I said, hey, if you receive Christ today, get, go get your blue bag and get your gift and tell somebody that you accepted Christ in your heart. We gave out seven bags of people came. That, that's amazing. So, so there's a lot. You notice there's more seats filling up. Well, there's still just as many or more watching online. The seats are filling up is because this house is expanding with souls, with people. All right. You guys that are just getting saved, here's the next step of discipleship. Water baptism. Get water baptized. Why do I need to do that? Because water baptism is your chance to tell people the main thing. That's when you say, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. And that's when you say this. That's when you invite every friend that you have to church. And most of them think the roof would fall in if they came. Okay? If they were going to fall in, it would have fallen in when I went. Trust me. Okay? But then they come and they hear your story. This is what my life was like. Then I found Jesus. This is what my life's like now. Then they're all sitting in their pew and they're like, I want that too. Telling them the truth, ain't I, Chuck? I want that too. Chuck and Julie are here because they came to a baby dedication of Justin and Shelby. Is that right, Chuck? Now you guys are radical, born again, baptized last month. Are you just a believer or are you disciples? We're disciples, amen. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know it. Hey, let's do something real quick. Let, let, let's, let's take care of some business. Every head, let's bow your head all over. That's something we kind of do if you're not new to church. This is because we think this is a private moment. It's between you and God. And, and I'm looking. Nobody's looking around right now, okay? If you're here and you say, Brian, I'm not a believer. I, I, I'm not a believer today. I, I have not asked Jesus. You know, I haven't been in church. I've not been living for Jesus. Um, I need to become a believer first before I can be a disciple. I want to be a believer. Is there anybody here that would raise your hand? I won't embarrass you. If you just raise your hand up and say, will you pray with me? To, I want to receive Jesus today. Would you lift up your hand? Just lift it up. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? Four hands have went up. Is there a five? Is there a fifth hand? Just slip it up. I won't embarrass you. Anybody else? I see that hand in the back. Sir, God sees you. Ma'am, I see that hand. God sees you. Now, here's something we do at Church on the Rock. Nobody prays alone. If you raise your hand, what we're going to do is we're going to pray a prayer that when you pray this and mean it and believe it in your heart, then this is how the Bible says that you've asked Jesus into your heart. So I'm going to say a prayer, and I want everybody to repeat it. That way, the nine or ten hands that went up, you're not saying it alone. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I come to you today 
I'm empty. My life isn't what it's all cracked up to be. I need something more. Something happened inside of me and in my head when you were talking today, Brian. And Jesus, I want you to come in my life. I want to give you my life. I want to start listening to you. Now I've got a lot of things in my life that I've done wrong. Some mistakes, some choices. Could you forgive me of those? Boy, I felt that. See, you're feeling a weight lift. You're there praying. Can you forgive me of those things? And then say, will you come into my heart? And then I want everybody to look at that cross over here on the wall and say, Jesus, just as you died, I died in my old life. And just as you raised from the dead, I'm raising in a new life. Give the Lord a hand clap today. Hallelujah. Now what I am going to do is I'm going to challenge you, 8 or 10 or 12 people that did that. One of two things, you could come up and tell one of these prayer people and uh, Karen Rudance or a deacon, make sure we got blue bags up here. Go ahead and get them now. So if you prayed that prayer, you'll see a blue bag. You can just walk up and get a blue bag or you can get a blue bag when you go out. That's just some instructions on what happened to you today. It gives you a Bible, tells you kind of what to do this next week, okay? So you can do that. One more question before we leave. Every head bowed and eyes closed. How many said today that I've been a believer, but I heard the call to answer these four questions and become a disciple today? Raise your hand. I felt the call to become a disciple today. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. That I'll answer those four questions. Father, Josh, I want you to pray a prayer over those that want to be a disciple, and then I'm going to let you dismiss.